You are listening to episode 71 of the Tennis Files podcast with special guest, Dr. Joe Parent. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you joining the show today. And today we have a great episode with Dr. Joe Parent on the mental game. Uh, the mental game is very underrated, um, but it can really hugely affect your performance on the court. Uh, you might have the best strokes in your club, uh, intersection. Um, But if you can't perform under pressure and if you don't know how to react, you know, how to play, how to approach the game during matches, then you will not be successful. And that's why I brought on Dr. Joe Parent uh, to the podcast. Uh, He's a world-renowned mental expert and has trained and helped many uh, celebrities and and top athletes um, from boxers to golfers to tennis players uh, improve their mental Uh, fitness and mental game so that they can perform to the highest levels that they are capable of. Um, And so I know you'll really enjoy this episode. I've been going through Dr. Joe Parent's book, uh, Zen Tennis, Playing in the Zone, and you can get Dr. Joe's book uh, on the show notes page, or you can go to tennisfiles.com slash zen tennis. And I know that you'll really enjoy reading Dr. Joe's book. So let's get straight to the interview. Uh, without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. Joe Parent. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files podcast. And it's really a pleasure and an honor to have uh, with me on the podcast today, Dr. Joe Parent. Uh, Dr. Joe, uh, also known as Doc, is the author of Zen Tennis, Playing in the Zone. And he's also very well known for his book, Zen Golf, Mastering the Mental Game. Uh, Dr. Joe teaches at the Ojai Valley Inn and Spa Resort and the Los Angeles Country Club. Dr. Joe has also authored several other books, including Zen Putting, Mastering the Mental Game on the Greens, The Best Diet Book Ever, The Zen of Losing Weight, and How to Make Every Putt, The Secret to Winning Golf's Game Within the Game, as well as A Walk in the Wood, Meditations on Mindfulness with a Bear Named Pooh which I really love that title, Um, and I'm looking forward to checking out all those books. Dr. Joe has also been featured on CNN, NBC's Today in New York, HBO Sports, ESPN, and he's made several appearances on the Golf Channel. Uh, In addition to all these accolades, Dr. Joe has also coached numerous celebrities, including Michael Bolton, Kevin James, Anthony Anderson, George Lopez, Bernie Mac, uh, Hall of Fame running back Marcus Allen, Oscar De La Hoya, and many other elite athletes and celebrity golfers. And Golf Digest has has named Dr. Joe as one of the top 10 mental game experts. So, uh, Doc, uh, I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast and making time to speak with me today, and it's a pleasure to have you on. 
My pleasure. Thanks so much, Doc. And so to start the podcast off, uh, I wanted to just ask you, uh, how did you get your start in the tennis world? Well, I did play on my high school team. I think the first, my first memory of playing tennis, I think my mom took me out and we, we hit balls back and forth over the net. I uh, played on my high school team, n- not good enough to be singles. I always admired the uh, the singles players. Uh, I, I never could quite get the idea of how do you hit it and then run to the net so fast. Mm-hmm. And I think I learned that <laughs> that well afterwards. Um, but I did play. I did enjoy playing doubles, and and I learned a lot about the mental game by observing my own performances and seeing that you know in practice. I could. I had a very powerful cross court forehand that just just put it away, and when it came to qualifying matches, suddenly I was kind of bunting the ball, and I realized, you know, I'm not playing to hit great shots. I'm playing to not make a mistake, and that was my first real insight into the impact of the mental game when when it counts versus when you're just practicing. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a great start there, Doc. And I really can appreciate, again, all your work because I was actually delving into your book, uh, Zen Tennis Playing in the Zone, uh, and I had a match a couple days ago, and I was thinking of many of the concepts you were talking about, and I definitely performed a lot better. And I really can attribute the difference to uh, really uh, focusing on the mental game and uh, and approaching it properly. So as far as your fantastic book, Doc, how do you uh, first define Zen, and what are its origins and uh, its background? Well, Zen is a Japanese word. It comes from a Chinese word named uh, called uh, the name is Chan, and that's a Chinese version of a, a Sanskrit word. It, it, so it's originally from India, and the Sanskrit word is Dhyana, D H Y A N A, if you put it into English, and it means total absorption. And it's total absorption in your experience of the present moment. So your mind and your body are totally synchronized. When mind and body are synchronized, you are going to perform your best. So um, with mind and body synchronized that way, you can engage and um, tune into the important points of focus without your mind getting distracted by uh Things that you're carrying over from the past, like I don't want, I hit my last serve long, I don't want to do that, or I hit my last serve into the net, I don't want to do that. And, and, and also the future. Like, I, if I get this point, then I can get the next one, then I can get the next one. And if you're ahead of yourself or you're bringing along stuff from behind, you're not really fully there in the present moment. And that's why I define Zen as meaning action with awareness, full awareness of how you are moving your body, what your mind is thinking, so that you don't get caught in the traps that interfere with our game. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Doc. I mean, you can also relate this to just everyday um, performance, you know, even at work, you know, if you're, say you made a mistake, and then you're thinking about that during the day, then you won't be able to perform your tasks um, well enough. Um, And so what was your inspiration for writing uh zen tennis and i know you wrote zen golf before that um and and other books so what yeah what what was your inspiration for for writing these uh this series well i'm glad you mentioned the 
the business part and, and work and because because uh, mindfulness and Zen and mindfulness are essentially the same thing. Uh, Zen and mindfulness really apply to everything that you do in your life. Uh, if you're in business, as you said, if you're at work and you're thinking about uh, what you said to the person uh, a, an hour ago, you're not really focused on your, the task at hand. And and this is where it really comes into tennis. The main obstacle in performance, whether it's tennis or golf or anything you're doing, is worrying about results, worrying about the outcome. And that means getting ahead of yourself. And because you're afraid of how things might turn out or, or hopeful that they'll do well and afraid that they'll do poorly, you, you get in this crescendo between hope and fear, and that interferes with a f the freedom of movement in your performance. Now, uh, I taught this for golf and, um, and worked with some tennis players, and then I met Bill Scanlon, who was famous for playing in the zone during the 1980s, uh, most famous for defeating John McEnroe, and who was number one in the world, McEnroe was one in the, number one in the world, was ranked, uh, was seated number one at the U.S. Open, and Bill beat him in the semifinals. Uh, and, and that upset was really an example of playing beyond your regular level and, and getting in the zone. So when I met Bill and we started talking, he was appreciative of Zen golf. And here's how Zen tennis came about. I said, I'll tell you what, Bill, why don't you tell me what chapters in Zen golf apply to your experience in tennis and tell me your experiences with the mental game of tennis that I could then further elaborate on. So we, we made Zen tennis out of Bill's experiences uh, that are, were reflected in some of the chapters in Zen golf. And then he talked to me about his own experiences. And then I wrote commentary on those from my perspective of the, the Zen approach and the sports psychology approach. And so it was a dance back and forth between the two. And of course, the, the, the prologue to the book is the story of Bill playing a golden set of winning every point, uh, winning six games in a row at love, his serve and his opponent's serve. And did not, and he did not realize it when he was done. That's how completely tuned into the moment he was. The umpire said, "Mr. Scanlon, do you know you played that set without losing a point?" He said, "I know it was six love." He said, "No, not without losing a game, without losing a point." And that's when he realized he'd played a golden set. So we took off from there and then elaborated on all the different aspects of the mental game for for tennis. And we like to think of Zen tennis as uh, the updated. 21st century version of the inner game of tennis by uh, my friend Tim Galway. Ah, wow. I mean, that's, that's very cool that you all are friends uh, with uh, Tim Galway. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense because obviously a lot of tennis players uh, mention his book as one of their favorites. Um, and so, then you so. kind of take it a step, step forward with, uh, with your book as well. Um, and I really can relate to you know what all the concepts in your book and also how Bill experienced his golden set because the very few times where I ended up being in the zone or at least I thought I was in the zone I wasn't really thinking about any extraneous factors and I didn't really even know the score I mean I knew it but I wasn't paying attention so much because yeah. we see so many people who are 
distracted and, and nervous about winning. Um, exactly. But as far as um, I wanted to ask you, uh, Doc, about uh, obstacles that players face when trying to play in the zone. What are some of the biggest obstacles that that uh, you have seen in your experience uh, these players face? Well, as I mentioned, the biggest obstacle is worrying about results. Mm-hmm. Now, um, that brings in what I was talking about when you're under pressure, switching from how do I play my best shot to how do I not make a mistake? And when you're playing your best shot, you you all you do is you – you know, as as the ball's coming across the net, you're making the decision of how you're going to play the shot defensively or aggressively. And as soon as you've made that decision, your body responds to your decision. Hmm. Now, the obstacle is if you, you decide on the shot, but you're, you also have doubt and fear, and then you're more interested in not making a mistake than hitting a good shot. When you say trying to play in the zone, that in itself is an oxymoron because the zone is effortless. Trying to play in the zone is uh, it's it's really elusive. The zone is your natural state of being when you are not overlaying it with hope and fear. That's the most important thing I can say. You will naturally play in the zone. You don't have to find it. You're already there. But you hide it from yourself by overlaying it with hope of success and fear of failure rather than the joy of playing shot after shot after shot after shot. Yeah, Doc, I really appreciate that advice, and I'm sure our listeners will too. And um, I guess this is why we have great books like like yours and, and Timothy Galloway's because it even though it may sound easy, it's just tough because, you know, when you come into these pressure situations, there's a lot of things that your mind uh, wants to think about. about. And so kind of going with that theme, uh, Doc, what is the reason why players practice so well? You know, sometimes you see these players, they have great strokes, they hit the ball beautifully, and then all of a sudden they get into a match and then they, they lay an egg. So what's the reason for, for that? I think I kind of described it from my qualifying rounds when I, when I was in high school. And that is, uh, what's the consequence when you're practicing of uh, going for, a, for going for a winner and missing? No consequence. Mm-hmm. Going for a winner and missing in a match, you lose a point. And so uh, the, the shift in intention is the problem. The reason they practice so well is they are they are tuning into their feel for the shot. They're focusing on seeing the 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 racket hit the ball and trusting their swing, their stroke. Yet in the match, they're not trusting their stroke. They're trying to make sure it goes in and get real guidey and aiming rather than just seeing their target and hitting it there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Doc. And so to to try to condition, I know this obviously takes a lot of practice and and focus, but uh, I mean, to, you know, train our minds to, you know, not think about these, all these extraneous factors. But what are some things that we can do before our matches to give us the best chance of 
playing in the zone, you know, maybe conditioning mm-hmm. ourselves to get relaxed or something like that. Well, let, let's let's jump a little bit ahead to uh, a question you had for me about changing habits. The the this particular habit of of going to the uh, changing your intention, and you see it during a match. Somebody's just ripping it and playing great, and they get ahead, and then they they change their intention from playing good points to not making a mistake. You can see it, you can watch, it, it looks like momentum, but the real shift is in their intention during the match. And and it, it, sometimes it happens when somebody's serving for the, for the match and suddenly they tighten up. Mm-hmm. And that tightening up is the response to being nervous about making a mistake. The hope and fear crescendo gets so high that they're afraid they're going to blow it and they're excited, they, they really want it, but they're afraid of blowing it now that they've got the match sort of in hand. And, and that change in intention is something that we want to work on changing. It's a habit. It's, it, it, it feels like it's, it's human nature, but it's actually human habit. And so that's why I, I introduced this thing called the ninja system for changing habits. Necessary intention and non-judgmental awareness, N-I-N-J-A. So first you have to be aware, okay, is, has my intention shifted? Has my intention shifted from playing the point the best I can to not making a mistake? And, and afterwards you evaluate, did I play that point with my intention to play it well, or did I play it with the, the habit of going to being careful and not making, to, to not make a mistake? And you will start to shift your behavior naturally and shift your intention to the one you really want, which is to play your best and not worry about making a mistake. And and that's what this system does. And I, I lay it out pretty clearly in Zen Tennis. So I hope people have a chance to look at that. Now, then you said, what can we do before our matches to give the best chance of playing in the zone? First, establish that intention that to the best of my ability – I will play points to play them the best I can rather than worry about losing the point or worrying about making the mistake. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. The other thing you can do is what Bill did, and that was before a match, quiet your mind because when we're under pressure, our energy moves up in our body and faster. So sit someplace quiet for a couple of minutes and move your energy down in your body. If you're standing, feel the ground under your feet. If you're sitting, feel the surface that you're sitting on under your sit bones. And really let yourself sink in and get grounded. Where does the power of a tennis stroke come from? From the ground up. Mm-hmm. 
So you always, and, and what's the most important thing besides, besides your stroke mechanics, it's your footwork. Mm -hmm. So you always want to stay connected to the ground, get out of your head, into your body and feel the ground. Those are the three steps that you want to do. And anytime after a point, if you feel like you were really in your head, you can take a second, one breath, breathe it down, connect to the ground. So, so practice that before the round and then tune back into it during the round, you know, during the, during the match, I mean. Mm -hmm. Really appreciate that advice as well, Doc. And yeah, I think, you know, in looking at uh, when people follow the pros, I think maybe one misconception is that, you know, obviously these, the pros are, are really driven to win badly. And then I don't know if, if maybe you see that as a problem because sometimes if, if uh, somebody looking up to the pros also thinks I need to be dr badly driven to win, so then mentally they might always be thinking about winning in in the match and instead of kind of doing what you said as far as having the necessary intention and non-judgmental action. So have you kind of seen that in, in some of your clients that you've needed to help? Absolutely. And the, and the great champions are marked by they want to be in pressure situations. They thrive in pressure situations. They love that energy. Whereas as players who don't have as much confidence are, you know, they're a little afraid of pressure situations. The other thing about the great champions is they would, they would gladly accept the possibility of failure for the opportunity to win. Now that's different than needing to win, right? They, they have great desire to win, but you have to be willing to lose in order to really get your full potential and have the chance of winning. Because if you're afraid of losing, you will start bunting and guiding and, <laughs> and aiming the ball instead of freeing it up and, and, and freewheeling that stroke and letting it and putting it all out there on the court. Great champions are willing to accept, I could put it all out there on the court, I might still lose, but I know I didn't hold anything back. And, and lesser players are afraid, they say, well, what if I put it all out there on the court and it's not good enough? I'm gonna feel badly about myself. Then that's holding them back. The great players have unconditional confidence. Whether they win or lose, if they did their best, they still believe in themselves. So, so that's the difference between the greats and the also-rounds. Gotcha. And just kind of a follow-up question. Now, when you're, when somebody is reading uh, one of your great books, Doc, and uh, trying to practice the ninja system, I mean, typically how much time does it take uh, the individual to uh, see success? I mean, if they try to change their intention do you will they see immediate uh, success the first time around it it varies um with the strength of the habit and with the particular individual and what they're um what they're trying to change but uh i've i've seen for example i've i've seen uh players who kind of they kind of uh they don't really they don't really get all the way turned before they start their stroke through. You understand their, uh, their backswing is, is a little shortened and they're not willing to turn away from the target before they come back through. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. 
And so what, I, what I've done is in, oh, maybe a half a dozen strokes, change that simply by saying after the stroke, how full was your turn? And, and knowing that they're going to be accountable, their subconscious makes them make that fuller turn. And as soon as they feel it and understand and feel the difference, because they thought they were making a full turn when they were only going back partially. And, and now they feel what a full turn is and they see how much better they hit it. It can be in half a dozen shots and pow, it's changed their habit that much. Other, uh, the, this, this fear of making a mistake that could take longer, but each time after a point, I say, to what extent do you feel like you played that point afraid of making a mistake versus willing to, to put it all out there and on a, like a one to five scale. And as they start to get fours and fives, they realize that that's going to be that much more successful. So sometimes it takes a couple of matches. Sometimes it takes a couple of months. But if they re you really have to mean it, that's why it's necessary intention. And you really have to not beat yourself up. That's why it's non-judgmental awareness. If you have the discipline to do that, you'd be surprised at how fast things change. Mm, wonderful stuff. Uh, and so, Doc, in, in one of the main sections of the book, uh, that particular section deals with mental fitness. And so what in your mind is mental fitness? Uh, how does it help us and how can we develop it? Well, the, the different aspects of the mental game uh, in tennis that you're looking for is uh, the ability to visualize the shots that you want to hit, the ability to turn over control from your thinking mind to your instinctive mind, and the ability to breathe and quiet yourself when you feel stress building. So all of these different functions of the mental game, they take mental energy. To be able to be ready for a, a, a crucial point uh, and, and, to, and, not, and not fall into that uh, preventing a mistake attitude. So all of these are part of your mental fitness. It takes stamina. You use mental energy through the course of a round. So developing these practices, practicing visualization, practicing imaging, practicing working with your breathing to feel more grounded, practicing, and we'll get to this, practicing big points, um, all of these develop your stamina so, uh, so that you have more mental fitness. It, it really corresponds with physical fitness and stamina. Yeah, that makes sense, Doc. And and so you mentioned uh, several concepts there. A couple were visualization and breathing. And if you don't mind, could you give us maybe an example for our listeners on maybe a, a sort of breathing technique that you like that you have a player, uh, whether a golf player, or a tennis player, do, and and maybe at when they could use it, um, you know, while playing. Well, I like to have I like players to have a morning routine that's part of their everyday practice that develops their uh, their ability to return to their focus and stay grounded in everything that they do. As you talked about, you know, mindfulness and Zen are 
are intended to be 24 seven, uh, not something that you retreat away from the world and go do and then leave it and come back to your, your regular craziness. So, uh, even if it's just swinging your feet over the, uh, the, to the side of the bed and sitting on the edge of the bed, doing some breathing the way I talked about breathing in. And as you breathe out, feel yourself sinking down and feeling more grounded. Work with the energy of the outbreath to move your, your awareness from, from your head deep into the core of your body, opening your eyes and being aware of your perceptions and noticing is your mind tuned into your experience of the present moment or are your thoughts taking you away? And if they're taking you away into a sort of daydream, recognizing that as soon as you can and without judgment, bringing yourself back to your body and your perceptions. Your body and your perceptions are always in the present moment. Your mind, your thinking mind can be a time machine that sends you into the past or the future. But your body is always in the here and now. So sharpening your awareness of am I here and now? Or am I someplace else in the past and, and, and wandering in the past or future? Am I distracted or am I focused? And that's an actual practice that you do being with your breathing, your posture, and your awareness of your sense perceptions. Those are all happening in the present moment. Your mind wanders. You bring it back to your breathing, your posture, and your sense perceptions. So that's the morning routine and a, a sort of meditation that I want players to do every morning. And then spend a couple of minutes in that before your match so that you're really setting your intention to be as present as you can for as many points, for, for throughout as many points as you can. I never want to talk about perfection. I want, don't want to say be fully present and never get distracted because people don't do that. What you want is, is as much as you can, and then you won't beat yourself up and, ju and judge yourself negatively. Wonderful. Uh, Doc, I really, really do appreciate that. That's very fantastic advice and, and very actionable advice that all our listeners should definitely uh, jump on. And uh, I'm sure you, as you said, you probably have a ton of experience with meditation. I actually meditate every single morning myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, many of the same concepts. I, your voice and and teachings and that response kind of reminded me of some of what the the meditations that I listen to uh, say. I, I use an app for that actually, Headspace. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just just really really wonderful to meditate in the morning and get that that sort of training. And I think after your response, I'm probably going to be meditating a little bit before my matches too. So uh, that's Good. fantastic there. And I have, I have that described in, in Zen Tennis, uh, and, and Bill and I did the audiobook ourselves. So you will hear our voices if you get the Zen Tennis audiobook as well. Wonderful, yeah, and we'll definitely link to that uh, as well. Um, and yeah, that's actually, it's, that's tough. I, I've heard authors who do audiobooks, it, it's not an easy feat, so that's wonderful that you, you all actually uh, read the whole things out yourself. Um, and also, uh, Doc, I know you, as I mentioned, you have a bunch of other books, um, but what, what books would you recommend that we uh, should check out? Well, um, for specifically for tennis, Zen tennis, and then um, for working with 
habits of eating and exercise and 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 maximizing your wellness uh it's my book called the best diet book ever i just titled that so when people search for the best diet book that's what they'd find um it's really the the zen of of wellness the zen of maintaining your weight and and wellness and it, and it includes lots and lots of uh good techniques for developing a better relationship with your nutrition and your exercise and and that would apply very much to tennis because you have to have you have to work with your nutrition and sometimes you know we we uh, uh don't eat as well as we should and we don't keep our energy level by eating in a regular pattern as well as we should uh and sometimes we're not as diligent about our physical fitness uh and and when you get fatigued it affects your mental game as well so i would look at that book and then for for life and family and 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 just simple enjoyment i love my new book that i wrote with my sister and that is a walk in the wood and it kind of reconnects you with with natural experience and and the magic of life uh and it uses winnie the pooh and the characters to tell tell the story but it also has very specific instructions uh on meditation practice on working with your breathing and working with your sense perceptions so it's a walk in the wood meditations on mindfulness with a bear named poo so those are my the the three main books and of course my original zen golf uh has a lot of of great value for for um for all sports and for life Wonderful stuff. Yeah, we'll definitely be checking those books out. Uh, Doc and I will have the links to all of uh, Doc's books at tennisfiles.com slash 71. Um, and where can we follow you, uh, Doc, uh, either online or in person? Well, you can definitely go to drjoeparent.com. And there's no periods at the beginning. It's D-R-J-O-E-P-A-R-E-N-T. Dot com and you, you can provide people with a, a link to that and that talks about all the different aspects of my my writing my and and uh, uh, audio and video my coaching and my corporate speaking my for for businesses or associations and 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 business consulting that I do so the the thing that I wanted to let people know is that I do more of my lessons now through FaceTime or Skype long distance than I do in person. Uh, Very cool. Whether it's executive coaching for business, for golf, tennis, or other sports, uh, and, and for life coaching in a lot of ways, it's like being in the same, you know, we're, we're talking now and it's like we're sitting in the same room talking. So it, it really is, and this video work together is a tremendous boon to people's access to teaching like this. Yeah, it's truly the wonders of technology, and definitely highly encourage uh, everyone to uh, consider that as well uh, with Doc. And so, Doc, I really do appreciate um, all your time today, and I want to ask you one uh, crucial question that I love to ask all my guests on the podcast, and that is, uh, what is one key tip that you can give us to help us improve our tennis games? Well, Bill and I have a chapter in in Zen Tennis called Practice Big Points. 
And this is something you can do in practice and put yourself in that pressure situation. See, am I, am I playing to play a great point or am I playing to not make a mistake? It's a good way to do that. And that's simply uh, to start each game with your opponent, play a game with your opponent, and start each game either add in or add out. And so, and you take turns. So the first point you play, add in. If, if you lose, you're back at deuce and you have to finish the point till somebody wins the game. If you win one point, you won the game. And the next game, your opponent has, you have add out, your opponent has the advantage. And, you, and if they win the point, you lose the game. You win the point, you get to deuce, and then you play it from there. And so starting, you, you, starting that way, add in or add out, your every point is a big point. And you can practice the pressure situations that way and, and practice a lot more of them than just playing regular games. So that's a, that's a tip that you can practice to really get used to playing under pressure and, and being aware of what your tendency is. Is my do I have the habit of going to defensive playing not to miss, or do I bring my best strokes out and play to hit great shots? Love that, Doc. That's fantastic advice. Uh, I'm de- I'll definitely be doing that um, at my next practice session. And uh, also, obviously, a uh, question for you is where can we get your books and tennis and and your other books? Well, uh, if you uh, if you go to drjoeparent.com and uh the the easiest thing is also to go to my author page on amazon uh, and look for dr joseph parent and and you'll see all of my books there and then you can then you can look inside and uh have access to uh the books of your choice along with zen tennis awesome doc well I really do want to thank you for your time. I mean, you you truly have an uh, amazing uh, resume uh, in the world of golf and tennis, and uh, and also your impact on everybody improving their mental game, their mental fitness, at, so that they can perform at their best. Uh, it's no small feat. It's it's such such an important and wonderful thing to be able to break through mentally. Um, and I want to thank you so much for all of your contributions and for coming onto the podcast and, uh, definitely look forward to, uh, reading a lot more of your content, uh, doc. So I really appreciate it. Sounds great. And, and I wanted to let you know, um, there's also, we did get a website for the book and we, uh, you'll, you'll be interested in the, uh, double entendre for the name. It's zentennis.net. I mean, how can we not pick, how can we not pick net for Zen Tennis? So that's our our book website for Bill and me, zentennis.net. Awesome, Doc. Yeah, everybody, definitely go check out that link right there. Um, but Doc, again, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast, and uh, all the best with all your endeavors. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Yes, let's talk again. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Mirvan. Thanks, Doc. All right. I really hope you enjoyed my interview with Dr. Joe Parent. Uh, Doc, I really appreciate you coming onto the show and uh, for everything you do uh, to help players improve their mental game. And if you'd like to check out any of uh, the links mentioned on the show today, you can go to tennisfiles.com slash 71. 
I'd also really appreciate it if you could leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast, and you can do that on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcast app that you use to listen to podcasts. And as I often like to do at the end of the show, I'd like to leave you with a quote, and this one uh, predictably is going to be about mindfulness. Uh, and This is by Roy T. Bennett, and Roy said, Be mindful, be grateful, be positive, be true, be kind. And I think the, that is a great philosophy to live by. All right, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Tennis Files podcast. I've been working hard to pump out episodes weekly, and I hope that you're enjoying them. And thanks again, as always, for the support and the emails. When I email my subscribers uh, each week about the podcast, I often get a lot of emails and comments about the episode, and I really do appreciate all the feedback and the positivity and the support. So uh, thanks again, everyone. Uh, Until next time, I'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files Podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.